Welcome to the European Heart Journal Case Reports 2021. My name is Dr. Saad Fires and I'm one of the podcast editors. Today we'll be discussing a case report by Drs. Doldi and Reinke and Professors Yilmaz and Eckdart from the University Hospital Munster in Germany entitled Bullet-Associated Ventricular Tachycardia. The case describes a 44-year-old gentleman with a history of previous attempted suicide at the age of 16 by the use of a self-made handgun. He'd shot himself in the thorax and required emergency cardiothoracic surgical intervention. The operation notes document a bullet had perforated the pericardium and touched the anterolateral aspects of the left ventricle. He subsequently made a complete recovery with no other past medical history and was not on any regular medications or illicit substances. He was fit and active, exercising three times a week and worked as an industrial mechanic. Almost 28 years after the gunshot wound, he presented to hospital after experiencing acute onset palpitations, dyspnea and fatigue without any chest pain whilst riding a bike. Due to the persisting symptoms, despite stopping exercise and lying down to rest, an ambulance was called. The attending emergency services documented a wide complex tachycardia with a cycle length of 250 milliseconds with hemodynamic changes for which he was electrically cardioverted. On admission, the patient was noted to be asymptomatic. A 12-lead electrocardiogram demonstrated stable sinus rhythm with flattened inverted T waves in leads 1, 2, AVL and V5 and 6. Blood tests revealed an elevated troponin at 187 micrograms per litre with a reference range of less than 14 micrograms per litre and normal creatine kinase levels. He underwent a transthoracic echocardiogram which showed normal biventricular systolic function and an invasive coronary angiogram which excluded coronary artery disease. A cardiac magnetic resonance study demonstrated localised myocardial scar which was felt to correlate to the area described at the time of cardiac surgery 28 years previously. The differential diagnoses of cardiac sarcoidosis were considered but felt to be unlikely given the patient history and findings. He subsequently underwent an electrophysiological study which easily induced non-sustained monomorphic ventricular tachycardia at all basic cycle lengths with one or more extra beats with and without the presence of orsiprenaline. Subsequently, the options of either ventricular tachycardia, endo and epicardial ablation and or implantable cardiac defibrillator implantation were discussed with the patient and family. He elected for ICD implantation as a secondary prevention measure and was commenced on a beta blocker. No further arrhythmia was documented in the five-month follow-up period. Discussion With respect to screening patients with documented or suspected ventricular arrhythmia, the European Society of Cardiology Guidelines recommend a detailed clinical history assessing for palpitations, presyncope and syncope as the most important symptoms. Specifically, palpitations related to ventricular tachycardia are usually of a sudden onset or offset. Syncope occurring during strenuous exercise while sitting or in the supine position should always raise the suspicion of a cardiac cause, while other situational events may indicate vasovagal syncope or postural hypotension. Symptoms related to underlying structural heart diseases such as chest discomfort, dyspnea and fatigue may also be present and should be sought. 
a detailed family history screening for sudden cardiac death and drug use, including the dosages used, must be included in the evaluation of patients suspected of having a ventricular arrhythmia. A positive family history of sudden cardiac death is a strong independent predictor of susceptibility to ventricular arrhythmia and sudden cardiac death. Ventricular tachycardia is characterised as a wide complex tachyarrhythmia. Non-sustained ventricular tachycardia is defined as more than three beats of a ventricular arrhythmia lasting less than 30 seconds. It can be further classified into monomorphic and polymorphic on the basis of QRS morphology, whereby monomorphic demonstrates a stable morphology from beat to beat, whilst polymorphic ventricular tachycardia has changing or multiple QRS morphologies from beat to beat. Ventricular tachycardia accounts for approximately 8% of cases causing wide complex tachycardia, with the commonest cause being underlying ischemic heart disease. Other causes include adult and congenital structural heart disease, acquired or inherited channelopathies, infiltrative cardiomyopathies, electrolyte imbalances with hypo or hyperkalemia, hypocalcemia, hypomagnesemia, and illicit drugs including cocaine, methamphetamine, and digitalis toxicity. Infiltrative cardiomyopathies can result from the likes of systemic lupus erythematosus, sarcoidosis, amyloidosis, and hemochromatosis. In young people, the causes of ventricular tachycardia include myocarditis, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, long QT syndrome, arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy, and congenital coronary artery anomalies. It is important to consider catecholaminergic polymorphic ventricular tachycardia, which is known to be triggered by exercise, stress, and emotional states, and Brugada syndrome. The initial panel of investigations include a 12-lead electrocardiogram to assess for any sign of inherited disorders such as channelopathies and cardiomyopathies or Q-waves suggestive of underlying ischemic heart disease. Exercise ECG can also be used to assess for underlying ischemia but also to test for adrenergic-dependent rhythm disturbances under controlled conditions with resuscitation equipment on standby. Holt monitoring can help identify arrhythmia or implantable loop recorders if a prolonged period of monitoring is required. The single average ECG improves the signal-to-noise ratio of surface ECGs so that low-amplitude signals, referred to as late potentials, can be identified at the end of the QRS complex. Late potentials indicate regions of abnormal myocardium with slow conduction, which is a substrate abnormality which may allow re-entrant ventricular arrhythmia and is useful to assess for arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy. Echocardiography permits the assessment of systolic function and regional wall motion abnormalities and structural heart disease and can be augmented with cardiac magnetic resonance imaging. A cardiac CT can be used to evaluate the coronary tree specifically for anomalous coronary artery origin. Invasive coronary angiography can be used to assess for obstructive coronary artery disease. An electrophysiological study with programmed ventricular stimulation has been used to document the inducibility of VT, guide ablation, assess the risks of recurrent ventricular tachycardia or sudden cardiac death, evaluate loss of consciousness in selected patient with arrhythmias suspected as a cause, and assess the indications for ICD therapy. An EP study may be used to document the arrhythmic cause of syncope and should be used to complement a full syncope workup. EP studies can be used to document or provoke bradyarrhythmias or AV block when other investigations have failed to provide conclusive information. 
Syncope in patients with structural heart disease, and in particular with significant left ventricular dysfunction, is ominous. And non-sustained ventricular tachycardia on Holter monitoring, syncope, and structural heart disease are highly sensitive for predicting the presence of inducible VT. The general management of ventricular arrhythmias and prevention of sudden cardiac death is focused on the arrhythmia itself, the associated medical conditions that may contribute to and or exacerbate the arrhythmia, the risk posed by the arrhythmia, and the risk-benefit aspects of potential therapy. This may include antiarrhythmic therapy with drugs, implantable cardiac devices, ablation, or surgery. A fundamental aspect of successful management of ventricular arrhythmia and the prevention of sudden cardiac death lies in effectively managing the underlying disease and comorbidities with the aim of avoiding worsening and progressive deterioration. In general, beta blockers form the mainstay of antiarrhythmic treatment and work by competitive beta-adrenoceptor blockade of sympathetically mediated triggering mechanisms, slowing the sinus rate, and possible inhibition of excess calcium release by the ryanodine receptor channel. They are effective in suppressing ventricular ectopic beats and arrhythmia, as well as in reducing sudden cardiac death in a spectrum of cardiac disorders with and without heart failure. The remaining antiarrhythmic drugs have the potential for adverse side effects and should be used by experienced clinicians. Implantable cardiac defibrillators are recommended in patients with documented ventricular fibrillation or hemodynamically not tolerated ventricular tachycardia in the absence of reversible causes or within 48 hours after a myocardial infarction who are receiving chronic optimal medical therapy and have a reasonable expectation of survival with a good functional status beyond one year. Subcutaneous defibrillators should be considered as an alternative to the transvenous systems in patients with an indication for an implantable cardiac defibrillator where there is no requirement for pacing and bradycardia, recent carization therapy or antitachycardia pacing. Learning points. Any cardiac trauma with subsequent scarring may act as a substrate for ventricular tachycardia even after many years. The need for an ICD is difficult to predict in these cases with a single arrhythmic event of uncertain origin and a circumscribed non-ischemic scar in the presence of preserved ventricular function. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this fascinating case. Please do visit academic.oup.com forward slash EHJCR to read this article in full with the references and review other case reports. Music is Computer by State Shirts.